feature presentation. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the 107th uh, <laughs> of, is it? I don't know, of the Untitled Movie Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Matt Rohrbeck, alongside, he's allergic to tomatoes, but he is tomato meter approved, Eric Marchin. Matt I have as no I, idea what the episode number is. As I, I think pull up it is 107. It is 107. I can confirm. It's been a little while. Uh, we did do a spoiler cast of uh, uh, Ghostbusters, which kind of replaced an episode we were going to do. Uh, then we took a week off just um, for personal reasons. and um, But now we're back to it. That's why I forgot what episode we're doing. Um, Eric, how are you? Well, um I'm I'm in this okay. I I don't want to get into it too much. Yeah. As a, you don't have to if you no, don't. No want no to no no no. I I I feel talking about it does help, but I also feel that like you know I I I don't know how much I should talk about just based yeah. on other family members and of things course, like that. Yeah. But I um had a personal loss in the family uh recently. One that was um tragic and it's been a very trying couple of weeks just in terms of sorting out my own emotions towards this what happened and and the loss um and also you know still kind of going to screenings and you know keeping up with uh, work life and things like that. So it's, it's been, it's been tough. Um, and I feel even worse for, um, my dad's side of the family, but I also, um, feel very grateful, uh, for having people like you and Nevis and Kyle and, you know, uh, my parents and people like that to talk to. Um, and I, I've felt that that's been, um, both therapeutic and at least sort of sharing in the grief and, and sadness and knowing that you're not alone, um, kind of helps overall. Um, I think that, uh, I'm, I'm also very grateful to, um, a, a lot of people that reached out, um, and you know, you know, we're we're willing to to listen and be supportive, and and to to all those people, um, I'm also very very grateful. And uh, uh, you know, uh, it's it's still tough. Like it's it's one of those things where um, you know, as we're recording this, I'm thinking about there's a, a upcoming funeral that I have to go to. Um, when I say have to go to, I want to go to, but just yeah, thinking about. Yeah. Uh, that that it's just it's tough and i think it's it's even like it would it would be difficult no matter when but i think during the holidays especially it's going to be um a trying time so again just um thank you to anybody who you know took a minute to to message me or you know uh, just listen i think like again you know i've had a lot of emotions in the last two weeks that I'm still trying to work out and, and, you know, I've also been a little bit more irritable because of it as well. And just kind of thinking like what matters 
you know, yeah, life is, is as much as, you know, I love doing this with you and, and, and I love watching movies and I love talking about film and talking to other people about it. It can sometimes be a little, um, you know, you, you, you have to kind of step out of that a little bit, step back and kind of think like, okay, well, what's important and what matters. And, you know, there, there was a couple people that said some things that I felt were a little bit for better or less, maybe not the most appropriate thing, even though their heart was in the right place that I might've been a little bit more, uh, a little bit, I don't know, um, frustrated with, um, but overall again, like, uh, you know, I'm appreciative of any, um, sort of thought or, 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 or conversation. Um, so yeah, start this show off with a bit of a bummer. No, no, I appreciate you sharing it. Uh, you know, I'm always here for you and, um, uh, thank you for sharing it. I didn't mean to, you know, lob that up to you and, and put you on the spot or anything. I was just, uh, uh, you know, I'm always here and I appreciate you sharing that. And, um, I hope, this show and, you know, we're in a busy season right now. can take your mind off of it a little bit, um, but that's tough, man. You know, I'm, I love you, brother. And um, I'm always here and all the best to you and your family. Cause it's, that's, that's rough. Yeah. And, and I love you and, and Nevis and, and um, again, like, you know, talking to Kyle um, after hearing it, um, you know, the bad news, it was, it, it was important. Um, I think I, I just needed to talk to somebody and, and I'm always really um, appreciative of uh, that. And, and it was just, again, a lot of emotions to think about and like, you know, I, I, I'm usually pretty articulate when it comes to talking about movies, but this is, is it's tough because again, like part of it is, is not even like, I feel bad for somebody in particular um, yeah. that's close in, in the family where it's like, I, I just don't know like how this person can even still go. Like I I'm kind of astonished. So, you know, um, I'm still going to be doing this, but I, you know, I, I appreciate anybody that just kind of, you know, gave that little extra consideration and just, was there family so. family comes first man. yeah so all of this stuff is you know either a distraction or just um you know secondary but it is um, a welcome distraction and 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 oh, i'm absolutely. very grateful to you know do this stuff and kind of you know also have the critics choice kind of voting deadline coming up even though that's stressful because you want to watch as <laughs> yeah. much as you possibly can before the deadline and feel like you've seen you know, a fair share of everything and not just like, you know, the things that you want to see, but also kind of open yourself up to the possibility of um, smaller movies or art house films or international movies that might need that little extra push. So, you know, that has kind of helped as well. And, and you know, it's also exciting for you because this is your first year doing it. So, um, you know, it'll, it'll be exciting to share in that experience as well. Yeah, I mean, we can kick it off there. Um, yeah, it's been uh, an interesting first year in the Critics' Choice. Our deadline is coming up in the next couple days for the first round of voting, which is for the nominations. Um, so you and I have been kind of... Uh, another reason we didn't record last week on top of what Eric mentioned was just it was an incredibly busy week. The last couple of weeks have been 
How are the back of your ears? I got to ask you that. For masks and stuff? Uh, I mean, you always wear the tighter kind of uh, uh, double mask. I do like it tight. um, uh, Mine have been, you know, because I do take it off when I go outside and things like that, that I feel comfortable doing so that I try to give myself a little break or even, you know me, how many times I go to the bathroom. Um, not to overshare, but um, when I go to the bathroom quickly, I give them a little, little massage after I wash my hands or something like that. And uh, I don't know. Yeah, my ears last week was probably the busiest screening week we've had in years, right? Because of everything. Um, I know like this time of year, November, December is always kind of like that. But um, it, I think just it, it took a lot out of me just because of uh, – not being used to it right like we might have one two screenings and you know we sound like okay you're going to watch a movie but it it does become a lot when sometimes you have two movies in a day or you have one every single day um but it's the best like it was uh it was so much fun last week just every day seeing everyone every day and seeing a new thing that you're uh looking forward to and whatever you feel about the movie that's one thing but um it's a really exciting time and like i'm cramming but then also procrastinating like i usually do so i know it'll come like you know thursday wednesday thursday and i'm gonna be like (laughs) fuck i gotta watch like 11 things um or try to at least um or lean on other friends and you and other people and be like hey what do i need to watch if someone's seen something and then goes this is a great performance you have to watch this or this is a great movie and like you know my list is you know, I have a lot on there, but I feel like the stuff that I need to knock off, I I'm doing pretty well. Like, I feel like there's a few animated movies I need to watch still just to make sure that I'm well versed there when it comes to performances. There's a couple movies that potentially I probably need to see for that. But I think we've seen most of the heavy hitters. Right. So um, I feel like, you know, I got to see the tender bar still. I got to watch Cyrano um there's a couple more but everything else we've been good we're embargoed on a few things but i think some embargoes are breaking today but it's hard to keep track of everything so i don't know what we can say and what we can't but i'm sure we'll share um we won't uh we could talk about who we voted for and stuff next week or when the nominations come out we can maybe when the nominations actually come out we'll talk about um if you know people we voted for uh made it in or not but um I'm but i mean also it. maybe you know like um since we're talking about it now is there is there anything that you feel maybe deserves that little extra push um you know even if even if people don't listen to this in terms of our fellow uh critics choice sure uh, uh members but like just in terms of like oh you, you know this is the season where we're starting to see a lot of uh critics groups start to reveal um their favorite movies and their um picks and sometimes you know you'll see groups kind of going with the flow where it's like okay like you know Belfast is doing well and Power of the Dog is doing well but you know is is there something for you personally that you would think of like even a movie that maybe is a big film but maybe something within that film um that people aren't necessarily thinking of specifically yeah i mean that's a good question i think i'm still trying to strategize how i want to do my voting cuz that's something we talk about right it's much like if you vote in a national election or things like that is like do you vote with your gut or do you vote strategically based on people that have a shot or what you, who you think have a shot. So you go, well, this person could use my vote more than me throwing away on my, my vote on 
X person because I do not think the voting bodies are going to, you know, vote for that person. But then if you don't do that and other people are thinking the same way, uh, that's why that those kind of things happen. So I'm trying to figure it all out now. Like, I mean, obviously, I think both of us, our favorite film of the year is Bo Burnham's Inside, but I know that's not technically like we could throw our votes away and vote for that. But like other people aren't going to consider that, you know, a, you know, a film eligible for uh, critics choice. So um, it was though, it was nominated for uh, television, for television, for critics choice television. So there, that's where it gets tricky, right? Because I'm just like. I, I consider it, uh, you know, a film because I think it's a feature length film. But and it played just, in theaters. Yeah. So, um, you know, me, Mitchell's versus the Machines is my probably my favorite, you know, theatrical, even though it technically didn't. But it did get it, it is getting a theatrical release now. Um, the Blu-ray is coming out soon. Uh, but I think it's a lock for at least getting a nom. So it's not necessarily I need to push that. Well, I would no, say well, he- hold on, hold on just a second. I want to, sorry, I would push it for best picture though. Well, I was going to say, but also something like screenplay because yeah. a lot of animated movies you do see, especially like the Pixar stuff, if they are of a certain caliber, kind of make it outside of, you know, mm-hmm. their designated categories. Like you think and of I think Toy Story movies. I would love that, right? Like I would love it in original screenplay. Um, I think the humans could use, like, I think it's completely went under the radar this year. Um, I feel like an acting nom for any one of those actors. Um, I love the production design in that movie. Um, I mean, I even love the direction, but like, um, that's a movie that I probably will. I don't think it's, that is a movie where I go, am I throwing my vote away? Um, cause I just don't think the humans is really going to show up anywhere. Like I just, I think the performances are phenomenal, but I think that movie is just a little too small and kind of went under the radar and a 24 had other stuff that they kind of were pushing this year. Uh, Coda is a movie that I feel like is excellent, but also falls victim to coming out a little too early in the year, as well as Apple, not really, you know, putting any you know, mustard behind it. Like, I just feel like they kind of didn't let it die. They just, I haven't seen a huge push for it. And I think, you know, an acting nom for any of the actors there or a screenplay nod, or, I mean, I would love for it to get into best picture. And and, and, um, so Coda is another one that I feel like people maybe forgot about because it premiered at Sundance and then just kind of got picked up for this huge, no, was it Sundance? Yeah, it was Sundance, right? Uh, Apple paid a bajillion dollars for it and then just kind of put it out. Um, Andrew Garfield and Tick, Tick, Boom, but I think that's kind of a lock. I think that's my favorite. Not a lock, but that's like, to me, my favorite performance of the year. Simon Rex and Red Rocket. Uh, I would just love for people to uh, nominate him, which I think he has a shot, but um, that's where I'll be putting some of my weight into uh, that. Shiva Baby, another one that I think maybe isn't even eligible because it was eligible for last year's because of the deadlines. I don't know what how that works. It right? got or, nominated for the Gotham's um, in a yeah. couple categories, and uh, yeah, I it's it, that's always an interesting question as well because like what it what constitutes is this year versus last year. Like you can put something like Judas and the Black Messiah on your top ten list this year because it that's was where released I'm confused about everything, right? Yeah, but. 
it was also uh, an awards contender though for last year because it met so, the awards deadline mm-hmm. for last so year. So Shiva Baby I think did meet that, didn't it? Or did it come out a little later? Well, Shiva Baby I think came out like right on the cusp of it, but I think it, yeah. it I think it does qualify for this year. Cuz there's another movie that I feel like um won't get a ton of love that I would you know, love to see show up somewhere. Um and then for weird categories that the Critics' Choice has for like best sci-fi action movie, isn't that a category? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Malignant, I want people to vote for. Um, and Shang Chi, and I mean, but I don't need to put my weight behind you know a Marvel movie. But Malignant is the one where I'm like, I hope it gets some love, even if that award is kind of, um, you know, not a lot of people pay attention to that. But um, I would just love for Malignant to show up somewhere. Um, the Lost Daughters, fantastic. We watched that. Um, uh, I think Maggie Gyllenhaal's direction is really, really confident and, and excellent. But um, is there a best first feature? Award? No, which is no. unfortunate because I think that that would be a good category or like a debut, best yeah. debut, whether you could you could put in actors as well with that category, like, you know, first film, yeah. whether they be on screen or behind the scenes. Because I know there's a best young actor. Isn't yes. There? Or yeah. Young uh, Nathaniel young Rogers actor. of the film Just experience posted, today, posted yeah. um, a, a group of actors that are eligible and he's always doing that. And it's always kind of um, helpful because you like, especially for the actors that are like on the cusps of aging out you know so like you kind of get an idea of like okay this is the person that i can vote for like say 17 18 year old yeah yeah, like someone like like um amelia jones in in coda is eligible so that's where she could potentially show up and i hope she does um so uh what about you um yeah i mean some of those things that you already mentioned i kind of uh uh echo um I, i think the mitchells versus the machines is definitely worthy of uh a screenplay nomination. Um, I think that um, the movie Flea uh, deserves nominations in animation and best picture. Um, I think Nicolas Cage is very much Nicolas Cage. Good. Yeah. Worthy of best actor in for pig. Um, uh, I think Vincent Lindon uh, in uh, Titan is, is definitely um, a, a worthy cause in, in, in that movie. Um, to champion, I, I think that um, Mia Hansen loves screenplay for Bergman Island is one that's not going to get any nominations and will probably be, quote unquote, a throwaway, you vote, know, vote. You vote for it. But I think that that script does so much and makes it look so easy um, in terms of bringing both a meta quality and also um, a very kind of humanistic kind of point of view to um, you know, the love of film and also kind of balancing a work life and a personal life. I think that is a great movie. Um, I uh, really loved um, the score and the cinematography and the production design um, for The Green Knight. Um, I think makeup as well. Um, it's 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 worth nominating. And even David Lowry's direction, I think, um, is up there. Uh, you mentioned Simon Rex. I think it, he's amazing in Red Rocket, even though he's it, it's a very polarizing performance. Uh, Susanna Sun, who's also really good in that movie uh, for supporting actress. Um, I think Jesse Buckley in The Lost Daughter yes, uh, for supporting yeah. is awesome. Um, yeah, there's 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 a lot of great stuff that's kind of like even with sort of like on the seams of what you'd like. Okay, like The Lost Daughter, like The Lost Daughter, I think 
its best shot is in adapted screenplay and and for best actress for Olivia Coleman and very well deserved for both and and hopefully they'll get in but then you look at like just what Jesse Buckley's doing in that movie especially when she's playing a younger version um of a character that Coleman really has a signature on and and she does something really unique in both that's both complementary to Coleman's performance, but also, but also kind of, makes it her own. Yeah. Exactly. And, and I think that that is really difficult to do. Um, and yeah, like there, there's tons of stuff like that. Like, like I, I think for me, like the one that I, I, I keep putting hope on, but I also know that it's not going to happen is Nick Cage in, in, in pig. You know, like I, I feel like he'll do really well with critics groups as he kind of is right now. But then as soon as you get to the guilds and the Oscars, that movie and performance is one too small and maybe a little too weird and also kind of deconstructs, you know, the action thriller genre. And maybe some people that give it a shot might be thinking it's just like, you know, a John Wick ripoff. And it's not that. Yeah, I would love nothing more than Nick Cage to get another nomination uh, for that. But yeah, I'm kind of with you. I think I will put my, uh, you know, chips behind him and just, there are those kind of dark horse ones that you're like, if enough people feel the same way I do, we can get that person in there. Right. So like, I'm hoping like you kind of put them in categories. There's like kind of the for sure people that are going to make it in. And then you almost go, I don't need to give them my, uh, you know, my vote or my nomination. And then there are those people that are kind of on the cusp. And then there's the movies you love that you're like, these just don't have a chance to show up in certain categories. So that's kind of how I'm viewing everything. And then it'll be interesting. You know, this is the nomination period and then just seeing everything that gets nominated. And then I'll try to make sure that I watch every single thing that gets nominated so I can vote in all categories. Cause that's wow. Being a first year, that's kind of what I want to do. And another movie that I haven't watched yet, but I know you really liked quite a bit, um, is The Worst Person in the World. Is that a movie that you would nominate outside of even international film? Uh, yeah, I think so. It is excellent. and um, But again, I don't think it'll show up anywhere other than, you know, best international feature. So then that's one that I think will potentially get in there but i just can't see it being anywhere else i think isn't it it's original screenplay i would love that because i think it is really really clever and um, just a wonderful wonderful little movie um that most people won't see until like mid next year it seems like or the first quarter or something it's like february or march isn't it um so yeah great you should definitely watch it before the the deadline on uh on thursday or try to because it's really really good or even another movie quickly as well a, a, a performance that we both really liked um from earlier this year um that uh we were able to watch was um was it south by southwest or something i think it was south by southwest maybe it was yeah no no it was sundance uh the novice i was just gonna bring up the novice like because that's getting I mean, released now. Like it's starting to get like it's like IFC is releasing it, I think, on the 17th. And so yeah. that movie is basically going to be overshadowed by all things Spider-Man. Yeah. And so like, you know, Isabel uh, Furman's performance is just so captivating and disturbing and takes you down a very dark path. Like, is she eligible for the young or is she too old? The young award, <laughs> the young award, the, the young, young award, <laughs> the young the op- award. So nobody in the movie uh, old can be uh, yeah, nominated. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, because that's where I would probably put her. But again, another movie that I feel like will just be too small yeah. to really show up anywhere. It's excellent. It really, really is. And again, another one where best, is it her first feature? Um, no, it's not right. Or was it? Or is yeah, it, it is. Cause she was a sound designer, right? Yes. And then she, uh, she worked with Zack Snyder and people like that. And then, um, uh, I would love, yeah, they, I think that a best first feature or best first performance or something or best debut, I think both here and at the Oscars, like, I guess that's, in, we've talked about this before, but like the categories that are kind of missing in some of these awards bodies, like uh, stunt performers, obviously the one that's, I feel like the longest overdue. Um, and then best, like new director or best first feature or something like that I or think casting best, i think uh, casting's yeah. a big casting would well. be a big one too which you kind of get in the ensemble awards that some bodies have with sag and i know that's more about the performances not necessarily the casting but you'd have a similar thing i think yeah those are very different but i think it's welcome and um yeah casting and stunts i think are the two and then i would love you know, a bet, a bet, like you have only those five people that get in for best director. And I just feel like the Oscars are trying to not to move it away from critics choice, but just awards in general. Like, I feel like to try to bring a more eclectic mix of films and things like that. Like, I feel like you got to start being a little bit more creative with how these awards are given out. So I think best first feature would be fantastic yeah the dga um, does that the dga has best yeah. uh, uh directorial debut so someone like lauren hadaway for the novice could very well show up in that category um and and deservedly so so like it's it's uh, you i know. would love that i don't know who who do you think makes it into the dga five for best first maggie gyllenhaal probably maggie gyllenhaal right? um i think it's the guaranteed i i uh it's Lin-Manuel michael miranda yeah um i think is Michael uh, uh, d- the director of Pig? I'm 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 blanking on his name. Uh, Michael Sarnowski. Is that his uh, first feature? This might be a short. He has a movie called That, which might just be a short film. It looks like it. Yeah, seven minutes. So, so I think that's his debut as I well. I think he so, could get in. Um, yeah. But then again, so, I I remember Ari Aster didn't get in for Hereditary, and a lot of people were kind of like <laughs> stunned by that. Right. Right, right, right. Okay, so Lin-Manuel Miranda did direct something, but it's 59 minutes. Is that a feature or a short? It's a good, that's a good question. I mean, like, there was this conversation even last year with uh, Darius Martyr for Sound of Metal because he had directed a documentary, but he got into first feature in the in the DGA. So it was kind of like this conversation of like, well, do you not count documentary as a first feature then so like yeah you know are do you have to be specific with like narrative feature i think uh talking about the humans uh stephen karam could get in there as well but again i don't know if it's too small or i'm trying to think of what other first features uh this year we don't need to do predictions for all this stuff but that like those are the types of things that are interesting uh, to me when it comes to award season, but um, we're starting to get, you know, criti- the New York's film critics circle uh, gave out their awards guess uh, best feature to drive my car. Right. Yeah. Um, which oh. is awesome. Have you watched that? Uh, yet? N- not yet. One more name as well. 
uh, with with Shiva Baby is is uh, Emma Sligman right. for yeah. uh, best first feature. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think she's very much uh, worthy of of the nomination and and another another nomination that movie is worthy of that I I don't think will get it'll get any sort of um, thought or consideration is editing. I think that that movie is edited in such a way Score that is, is great too. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but so there's yeah, a lot with that film that is, but it'll, it'll also be one of those movies where I think, you know, five, 10 years from now, we'll look back and be like, okay, like this is where this person started. And now like, look how far they've come. Because like, I think people are taking notice of Shiva baby in in a way that's really exciting. So, no, oh, absolutely. Um, so Eric and I will have reviews for a, you know, a ton of stuff in the next couple weeks because we've been cramming for this. So you'll get reviews for all of this stuff we've been cramming for. So you'll get reviews for uh, Tragedy of Macbeth, uh, Licorice Pizza, Nightmare Alley, The Lost Daughter, Don't Look Up, uh, West Side Story, uh, The Worst Person in the World, Being the Ricardos, uh, Sing 2, possibly Red Rocket, uh, Benedetta, uh, and more, uh, depending on, you know, we're seeing Spider-Man very soon, Kingsman. Uh, so like there's still matrix, um, which I'm doing a rewatch right now. Uh, I just finished reloaded, uh, last night. Um, and so you'll still have a ton of reviews. We're just a little bit behind. So, um, this week you should get a couple next week. You'll get a bunch more. Uh, it's going to be a busy uh, end of the year for us. So please go subscribe over on YouTube. Just search Untitled Movie Podcast. You should find us there or on podcast services for reviews, Untitled Movie Reviews. Uh, this show is Untitled Movie Podcast. And there might be a conversation or two uh, before the end of the year. We shall Or Letterbox. See. Yep. Letterbox Untitled underscore movies. That's probably the easiest spot uh, to find everything. Uh, Eric. So you've been cramming like anything. I mean, we'll keep most of the conversation to those reviews um, that we're doing. Um, As I mentioned, I'm watching The Matrix, which we talked a little bit when we met up for uh, Macbeth the other day in IMAX. Um, I think the first Matrix movie holds up immensely. And I know, are you planning on rewatching them before the new one? or I'll probably rewatch the first one. Um, I, I just, I remember so well going into uh those two matrix sequels and being weirdly excited and then watching them and being like huh that's gonna be one of the first am i too dumb or is this really bad (laughs) yeah and i think that's how i felt too and i haven't watched them since 2003 because of that i remember being so pumped for them and we would have been 14 you would have been 15 right you're a year older than me yeah and I'm not saying it's like the first time I remember being super let down because I I would say maybe Star Wars Attack of the Clones is before this, right? Well, so is so is Phantom Menace. Yeah, but Phantom Menace, I was still dumb enough as a ten year old to you were you were diluting yourself. You were delusional at that. Yeah, like as a ten as a ten year old, I loved the Phantom Menace. It wasn't until Attack of the Clones I remember seeing Attack of the Clones and being like, "Yo, that was real bad, right? (laughs) Like that was so boring." and I think that Reloaded, not as bad as I remember. Um, I still think it has some really fun action sequences. I don't think it holds up nearly as well as that first Matrix movie. Because I feel like that first Matrix movie, like, I don't know. I felt like the cinematography held up. Uh, a lot of the effects and the camera work, Bill Pope's cinematography looked great. Just like, I really feel like they nailed the vibe and the tone. And even though it's dated, but it feels 
like it still works in this world of this cyberpunky because of when that movie was made. I'm kind of fine with it. It's dated because it was made in the late nineties. And like, um, I'm fine with how the tech and the computers work and how they all wearing leather and sunglasses and the green tint and the blue tint and, uh, in the two worlds. And like, there's a lot of cool stuff in the world building of that too. Um, that I think is just fucking awesome. I think they just kind of got a little bit too ambitious with that two parter shot back to back with reloaded and revolutions, which I'm very curious to watch revolutions. Cause reloaded was just kind of just, you know, I feel like they're like, Oh, everyone really loved it. Let's double down on the crazy action set pieces. Um, we have a little bit better tech now, so let's do some stuff. But then that actually hurts the movie because less feels practical or less feels like interesting camera rigs and they're more just fully CG fight scenes. And I feel like some of that stuff doesn't hold up as well as some of the more practical stuff for the uniqueness of that first movie. Um, like I still think the fight with, you know, the hundred agent Smiths is still cool. The burly the man brawl. Yeah. The, <laughs> the car chase is still really dope. And like, I think they spend a lot of time outside of the matrix, which that stuff just doesn't interest me as much. Zion uh, is all. a sweaty Zion, rave. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, dude, <laughs> I'm watching reloaded last night and I'm like, who this this uh, sweaty rave orgy is going on for a long time. <laughs> like there's just this sex scene between uh, Carrie Ann Moss and Keanu Reeves. And there's a rave going on in Zion. And it's like a slow pan of them just thrusting into each other. And it's like, it's like a 10 minute scene. <laughs> I'm like, why is this so long? Now, were and, like, you upset just... with it? Because I know that you're a guy that doesn't like to get too overheated i'm sweaty were, right now were dude. you watching a, that I, and being like there is no I've, way i would want to be in zion i would I've want to remain to the, in the matrix yeah. no i've committed to the toque and the video and arcade sweater for this episode but like i'm already sweating and yeah i i mean fuck i would take the blue pill immediately um <laughs> i just i would not like there's nothing appealing like if i if you take the red pill you go out of the matrix you you the quote-unquote real world um you immediately be like, put me back in. Like Joe Pantanello in the first movie had it right. Oh, like, the steak scene like, is amazing. Yeah. He is so convincing at that yeah. moment where you're just like, and I think that's what kind of goes against it a little bit for me as well, because he, he's like, no, I'd rather be back. I'd rather believe that I'm eating this and enjoying my life in sort of ignorant bliss. <laughs> and not be in this hellscape. Yeah. Like, I don't want to hang out with fucking mouse. Get me out of here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I you totally buy into that, and you totally um, I think mo and I guess that's some of the themes that they're playing with is just submission and just being like that's what the machines want you to feel because they're fucking sucking your life juice out of you or whatever they're doing, um, and like <laughs> I think the first movie's playing with a lot of cool themes, and then again they go deeper and deeper into those, and like, and you know it gets a little ridiculous, but it's still kind of cool because you're I don't know like. We've all had man versus machine kind of movies over, you know, uh, time and time again. But The Matrix just feels like it. it is a special movie, that first Matrix movie. Um, I think they kind of kill it with two and three, but two wasn't nearly as bad as I remember it. Uh, it's just not super great either. Like, I just felt like it was fine. Like, there's some cool action set pieces and, you know, it is the first half of a two parter. So there's that. But um it just gets a little silly and, and convoluted and, you know, you know, and then it gets more and more religious. And um, so I'm curious because I remember the third movie just being very religious. 
And I'm just like, I don't know if that was the case, but like, I just remember it being like, that was, I, I don't know, but I'm going to watch it and I'm, I'm excited for the new one, but I just, I'm so interested to see, is it Lana who's directing it? Yeah, uh, I think so. Yeah. Or not Lily. Um, Lily retired, right? Yeah. I think, or like, it seems like of. siblings this year are like taking a, a, a hiatus because from directing Lily and, yeah. uh, Wachowski and Ethan yeah. Cohen are like, see ya. <laughs> yeah, we're going to take a break. You guys go on on your own. Um, so I'm excited to see like with the tech we have now and the special effects we have now, like I think like we could get some really, really fun and interesting like action set pieces. I don't know like how you expand that world anymore or like, you know, there's all the theories of like the matrix within a matrix and, you know, how many different versions of the matrix there's been. And I'm sure they're going to play with all of that. And I don't remember anything from the third movie other than what I said. I was like, I think it got really spiritual or religious or something. Well, there um, was the fine. There's the final fight between agent Smith and Neo that takes place mostly in the rain, right? Where they're like flying right. around and things like that. Like that was kind of always the big selling point, even on the posters. Um, and, and to your, like, I, I also can't really remember too much from part three other than, they shot them back to back and the original actor who played the Oracle died after the yeah. making of part two. So they had to replace her and, and the they reason... add that into the story too. But it doesn't like, oh, make any sense because it's like, why, just, why there's a one line where they're like, Oh, I had to change how I looked. But whatever. she kind of like is still like an older black woman. And it's almost yeah. like, well, why would the Oracle, if she has to change or it has to change to kind of disguise its identity, why wouldn't it change into something else? Like it's, it, it was just kind of strange I took it as with like, that as well. She's not trying to disguise, but I don't know. I, I watched the beginning of three last night and then realized I'm like, I, I think one Matrix movie per day is enough. Right. Like I started uh, the third one and I was like, it's too much for me right now. Too so much I, philosophy. Yeah. Um, but I'm excited. Um, I keep seeing it on our um, screener site and it says coming soon. So I'm like, all right, let's try to get these first three out of the way. And then whenever it pops up there, I'll try to watch it. But um, what do you still have or Eric, either what have you been watching that you want to talk about or, or that we aren't going to review or are there things you're going to try to cram in in the next couple days or? Yeah, I, I drive my car is one of them that I'm going to try to fit in. Um, there's some Sony Pictures Classic stuff that has an expiry date on the 10th. So I'll try to watch those. Uh, the worst person in the world, obviously. Um, but going back to the matrix, it's interesting. Cause like, Oh yeah, sure. I talk matrix. I don't have that same affinity or Trinity, uh, for, um, the film, the way that you do, or weirdly, my brother Connor always was obsessed with it. As There's a, kid. a lot of I, people, man. Oh, that... th th there are. And, and I think it's a fine movie. I think it's a film that, as you mentioned, has its place in modern blockbuster i mean not even modern anymore i mean it was released in 99 it's two decades but, old yeah but it, it's its influence is felt in the same way that tony scott's top gun is felt like the movie is a landmark sort of film within the action you know suspense thriller genre and it kind of changed the landscape and the language on both the technical level but also sort of on an aesthetic level and people like Zack Snyder specifically 
you know i saw so much of it in the second movie where they just go full on yeah you know like with the slow motion kind of stuff specifically bullet time obviously um had such a major impact that it's you can't deny that stuff um but i also think that like you know a lot of people didn't see uh the fastbender movie from the 70s world on a wire which also kind of does the same thing except it's not obviously like you know, steampunk, steampunk, yeah, goth kind of set up, and I feel that that kind of dates it a little bit as well. I I don't think all the special effects work. It's been a while since I've watched it because I did watch the 4K when it was first released, but I haven't watched um, the sequels or rewatched the first one since. But I still kind of feel the same. Where it's like I think it's an important piece of late 90s cinema it it means a lot to where you know blockbuster franchise filmmaking was going for better or worse we got a lot of hacker movies after that with like something even like as horrible as swordfish which i think also was very much influenced by it or even you know like the remake of gone in 60 seconds with nicholas cage like there was that whole sort of subgenre of of you know hackers kind of living on the fringes of society and and sort of in a kind of um kind of punk milieu um it's just yeah like I, when I, when i think of the, you know the wachowski sisters I, my, I my favorite stuff of theirs is cloud atlas and speed racer and i also kind of both like, are good movies and i also kind of like their first film bound where the matrix is like the most influential and it's undeniable but it also feels somewhat dated in the same way that i look at something like david fincher's fight club i think that movie even more so is very irritating to me now where i remember watching it as a kid i was like this movie speaks to me it says something about you know being an alienated teenager and then re-watching it you're kind of like uh, it's been is, a long time since this I've is watched just club, really yeah. pretentious i know as a, as a teenager rot. i felt the same yeah yeah um, um so yeah like and, and again like 99 was that kind of like watershed moment for a lot of like big filmmakers whether they be you know paul thomas anderson with magnolia or david o russell with three kings or spike jones with being john malkovich um it, it was a huge year for you know a lot of kind of the big filmmakers that we know now that are still going on that are kind of like now the the mainstream filmmakers that when they were making movies then were kind of like the guys that were kind of infiltrating you know the studio system and and we're we're sort of the outsiders um so yeah again the matrix not and, and also like i i feel like inception kind of surpassed it in in some ways in terms of like being more timeless um but overall still worth talking about i mean we've just spent almost like 25 30 yeah. minutes on it but it's still worth having that conversation <clears throat> about yeah i'll be really curious to see if they uh if the love is still there, because I do think of it as an iconic movie of that time, but I do agree with you. I thought of Inception a lot um, as well while watching it. And I do. I think I like Inception more. I think both are almost perfect, you know, sci-fi action movies. But um, I, I've liked Matrix more and more every time. Like I watched it a few years ago as well, right before the 4K came out, because it was one of those things where it was like a Sunday afternoon. I was lying in bed and I was like. I haven't watched the matrix since like probably the mid two thousands. So I threw it on and one of those movies that's just been, you know, parodied to death basically. And I think that 
a scary movie, right? Like that's like the big with one everything, that, yeah. dude. Like it's just it was parodied by everyone and ev- in everything. So I just feel like, and it's I still do. I really do believe it's one of the most iconic movies of all time. And um, but I do think it is good. Like it is a good, you know, action movie with some interesting themes and and stuff like that. Um, but. I think that's kind of taken away because of the reaction of two and three. Like I feel most people are like, Oh, two is fine, which is how I felt. And then everyone like objectively uh, kind of is like, yeah, three is really bad. So um, excited, you know, uh, at least one of the Wachowskis is coming back to direct it. And um, uh, more so seeing if they do anything creative with the action set pieces and then what kind of dense, interesting, philosophical or whatever issues they'll throw into it. And, you know, we've had so much even in the world of what they'll comment on and stuff like that. And I'm curious to see how they'll do it because in that world, they built the matrix for that time period, because that was like the pinnacle of, of, you know, that uh, society or whatever they talk about. But we know that there was like what, six iterations of the matrix or something like that by the time, but it was also a bit ahead of its time when it came to like sort of, you know, virtual reality versus mm-hmm. our world. And also just like at that point, theory, yeah, that stuff. even the internet, right. And social mm-hmm. media. And like, it was all before kind of that diluge kind of sort of. So that's what old. I'm. Yeah. Cause so now they have 20 more years of stuff and I'm like that it'll be just interesting of what they throw in there. So I am, I am pumped for it. Um, but that's the only kind of thing I've been watching. That's not. Have you been listening um, to POD since as well? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, the music choices are hilarious. A very nineties, uh, late nineties, early two thousands. Um, been watching some Christmas movies. Uh, I watch jingle all the way, uh, which I do every year. Yes. I saw um, uh, your tweet, uh, which was pure <laughs> chaos. I like to choose pure chaos. Um, I adore Jingle All the Way. It is a, uh, you know, it's a, it's not a good movie, but I think it's one of those perfect blend of nostalgia and just, uh, just nostalgia pretty much. Um, Arnold is terrible in it, but I think we talk about it every year when we talk about Christmas movies. I think Phil Hartman is incredible in that movie and he's so funny. And missed. Every, yeah, and missed. Uh, but he just makes me laugh so much in that movie. Um, and other Lake than that, Minnetonka. yeah, God, so, so good. Um, haven't watched many other Christmas movies. I put on eight bit Christmas. Which how, on how dare Creed. you, sir? You are burying the lead. You did watch the home alone films. Yeah. Did I not talk about that the last episode or no? No, because we, we haven't been on since, uh, we did the review for home, uh, sweet home, home alone. Yeah. Oh, and I watched those after, didn't I? Yeah. Oh, I did. Okay. See, I forgot when we recorded. Yeah, Ghostbusters Afterlife was before that. And uh, I mean, we did record Tick, Tick, Boom and, and King Richard. So I must have just not talked about the Home Alone movies. Uh, yeah, I rewatched um, every Home Alone movie or the majority of them. Some of them I turned off like three quarters of the way through because <laughs> uh, they were so bad. Um they're just they get progressively worse and worse and i i definitely was way too soft on uh home sweet home alone like i i think i was really easy on that movie and it's it's not a good movie at all especially after watching you know one and two um which i think are classics um i'm a home alone one guy i know there's a lot of people who like home alone two more but 
um, especially as an adult. I might have liked two more as a kid because I remember the talk boy and just like, you know, I think it being right at that perfect time. I would have only been three years old. So that movie just still must have been popular when I even became, you know, aware of it. Um, but those first two movies are iconic. Three, four and five are just fucking awful. <laughs> They're awful. Like Home Alone 3 is really bad and it has nothing to do with the McAllisters, but it's just this new kid. And, uh, it's uh, Max Scarlet- Keeble's big move, man. Yeah, Alex Scarlett Johansson's in it, right? Yeah, it's one of her and first then, uh, roles. And um, um, the guy from Twin Peaks as well, um, who basically like takes Laura's uh, diary, is one of the, yeah. uh, the, the mastermind criminals that need this sort of microchip that they put in this uh, oh, right. remote There's control that whole, toy. It's just so weird. And it's, oh, it's, du- it's so ridiculous as well. But there was something rewatching that movie that I almost found kind of humorous, especially with the music choices, because most of the music choices are of the early 2000s and home alone three i don't know if you saw it in the theater but that was my first experience with home alone and watching it in the theater and like just watching it and like being like oh this was shot I on must film have, but <laughs> yes i must have but i don't remember it at all like i i don't remember i must have seen three um but i don't i'd never seen four and five and they are awful dude. yeah malcolm They're mcdowell's so in one of them right he's in the holiday heist yeah yeah. Um, and then four, it's supposed to be Kevin McAllister. And then Homeboy from Third Rock from the Sun. Uh, French, French Stewart. Stewart is playing uh, Harry. And it just doesn't make any sense. And it's awful. And they're all just really bad TV movies. Because the one thing I will give a Home Sweet Home Alone credit for, I mean, it is a Disney Plus movie. So, like, where's that line of TV movie? Uh, it is pretty much a TV movie, but there's something about, I guess, the caliber of actor that they have in, even though no one's very good and the movie's messy as hell and, and just not a good movie. But like four and five are just like ABC afternoon movie. Like they're not even they're not even trying and um, <laughs> they're just they're really bad. Um, and then I watch Love Hard. Uh, which was a Netflix um, Christmas movie, um, which was not good, but not awful. Like um, it, it pretty predictable. It's got Nina Dobrev and Jimmy O Yang in it. And uh, about a girl who, you know, finds this kind of dating app um, who looks all sexy, but then she goes to surprise him for Christmas and he's really Jimmy O Yang. Um, and, you know, you can pretty much figure out, the movie from there. (laughs) So, you know, it's one of those, it's not quite Hallmark level, like Christmas movie bad, but it's on that Netflix level of Christmas movie bad, where I understand why these movies get made and why we get, you know, a handful of them every year. Um, eight bit Christmas is another one of those that is getting good reviews, but I, um, it's on HBO max in the U S it's like a Warner brothers in a new line cinema movie. Um, but I only got halfway through. And I mean, I'm wearing a video in arcade top 10 sweatshirt, retro kid. Shout out to you guys. You guys rule. Um, and Nicholas Pickles. And uh, our boy Nicholas Pickles. But then 8-Bit Christmas should be right up my alley. Um, but I got halfway through it with Nevis. And we were both like, I don't like this movie. And um, I, I shut it off. I think I'll go back and and, wa- re- and finish it just because like, 
I don't know. I just like Christmas movies on in the background as I'm doing things. But that one I tried to sit down and watch. And it's about, you know, a guy telling his, his daughter the story about when he was a kid and how he got a Nintendo for Christmas. And um, at the pinnacle of like 1988, when it was like the hardest to get a Nintendo. And there's some cool stuff there for, you know, even though it's before my time, um, I'm more of a Super Nintendo kid, but I did have an NES, but uh, it would have been like, you know, way after it originally came out. Um but an 80s set Christmas movie sounds like about the Nintendo and a kid trying to get one for Christmas sounds so great. And I, everything I saw so far, I was kind of like, eh, and just shut it off. So that was poke my, your eye out with that game console. Yeah. The, <laughs> the Matt Rohrbeck Christmas minute. So um, are you, a, you're, I forget every year. Do you, are you a Christmas movie guy like at all? I mean, I, I I like some, but I, I'm I'm the cool guy that likes Die Hard and sure. Lethal Weapon and and you know which most I of Shane too, Black's but... movies. No, I I love the first Home Alone movie. I'm kind of in the same zone that you are with Home Alone three. I, I like moments of it. I think any anything with Uncle Frank and Home Alone one and two is gold. Um, yeah, I, I, it's one of those things where it's like. I <laughs> I've talked about this before. I think on the show, but I think Toys R Us ruined christmas for me when i was in high school i worked conversation yeah you know um during the season um in in high school at toys r us and just having to listen to the same 10 christmas songs during an eight-hour shift on a weekend and having parents break down because they think that we're holding electronic dogs in the back and saving them for the elite customers um, kind of ruined that for me. But at the same time, I'm kind of excited now to maybe in the next 10 years or so live a little vicariously through uh, my nephew, um, Ivor, and sort of like seeing his excitement of it and maybe sort of get that back a little bit again. But like in terms of like Christmas movies, I always like films especially when it comes to franchise movies that set one of their movies during the holiday season it doesn't even necessarily have to be during christmas but i always kind of like right now yeah exactly or or even like when you know community did their or, or brooklyn nine nine you know did their holiday specials like i always loved holiday specials for tv and films you know whether like a film sets like the backdrop of being a christmas movie or what have you um absolutely agreed but yeah, it, I, when it comes to like Christmas tradition, I wouldn't really say that like I have like one like movie I, I have to watch. I'll throw on Die Hard or or It's a Wonderful Life, even though It's a Wonderful Life. The Christmas stuff doesn't come into like the last 15, 20 minutes of the movie. Um, yep. So like even it's again, not, like, it's not a Christmas I like more. Movie. Yeah, it, not really. And it's more depressing. <laughs> <laughs> then, yeah i mean it's a, it's a great movie um and my mom loves it and i think my oma loved it and um uh it's just not like for me i'm i like those light kind of and like a lot of christmas movies are bad but like there are some uh, a question I, I presented to nevis the other day that i'm curious to get your thoughts on what was the last classic christmas movie because i think like classic that will go down like in history as a christmas classic because i presented john favreau's elf as the last 
classic Christmas movie, which was 2003 Three? as well. Yeah. Also the year of Matrix. Uh, <laughs> the, the year of our Lord and Savior, Neo. <laughs> Neo. Um, and then that year also had Bad Santa, which I don't quite put in the classic category, but, but I it's think it's gained like a cult status. Adjacent. It's like classic adjacent. Yeah. Um, but I do think John Favreau's elf has like, there was a serial that came out this year and it is a movie that I think is constantly referenced and people watch every single year. And I know that there are Christmas movies that people probably go back to that came out after that. But like, I don't know if I'd call any of them since then, like an absolute banger, like Christmas classic and i i don't know if i'm wrong no i mean i don't think you're you're wrong and i'm sure there are like five or six christmas adjacent movies that have christmas in the backdrop or take place during the holidays sure that we could reference but like in terms of like a true christmas movie um I got a list of Christmas movies here. You want to just go I, through them? Well, and we I, was, go. <laughs> I was going to say, how dare you omit Christmas with the Cranks, which is terrible. Which came out a couple years um, after. I, but I like, would say the one that's kind of maybe building a little bit of kind of like... Polar a, Express was in 2004. Oh, God. And I feel like... I know, I know. Say what you want about Polar Express, but I do feel like it falls in that classic category. It plays at Cinesphere every year. My dad, weirdly, fucking loves Polar Express. He loves it. Um, and I don't know why, because I went to Cinesphere with them last year with Nevis, and uh, your dad just loves Aerosmith it. animated. Um, <laughs> we watched it, and I was like, I don't really get it. Like it's, it's, I don't. Zemeckis, no, thank you. No, and the but, book is um, very moving, and and I like the sentiment behind the Polar Express. I just think the one thing that kind of hurts it the most now the cg the cg because it yeah. is the kind of the early stages of <laughs> yeah. stop motion Everyone looks terrifying yeah the dead eyes and again yeah. animated aerosmith is horrible and like the joke is like a lot of people take like the scene out of context obviously but it still is weird um the hot chocolate musical dance number which is kind of funny but i can mm-hmm. i can understand the warmth of that film working I, I think another animated film that's kind of creeping up in sort of estimation in terms of becoming maybe it's not maybe a classic right now, but the people that love it do champion it is Arthur Christmas. I think that's one that a lot of people but really I, do I, like. I agree, but there's, I think, a difference between one that people really like and an absolute Christmas classic. Like, yeah, I don't no, think I, and I agree Arthur with you Christmas. on that, but I, I think anybody that you rec- recommend to that, that movie too doesn't come back to you and say like, oh, this was you know, a waste of time. Like they join, they, they hop on the bandwagon once no, they watch it. But some, I do agree with you. There that, have like, been Elf some great, there have been some great Christmas movies. Like we'll go through. Cause I, I pitched Elf. I would say I am, I am wrong. And that Polar Express is the year later. So I think Polar Express right now reigning last Christmas. Thank you, Nevis. Love you. I uh, needed another Coke zero. <laughs> um, so, Polar Express 2004, now the reigning champion of last uh, Christmas classic. This is what we're titling the episode now, too. Um, I probably should have put a time code, but I need to be better at this. We got a nice notebook. Did you get that from the Cyrano package yet? Oh, yes, in the pen, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to use that to take notes for movies now because I was like, I needed a new notepad and a, a great pen. So shout out to, is it, no, MGM? Yeah. Uh, who sent that? Uh, I should use that to take show notes too, uh, moving forward. Um, remind me moving forward to do that. 
Um, Christmas of the Cranks, nah, get out of here. You're not a classic. The Family Stone, no, you're not a classic. Some, pe- but but there, um, there's another one that I know. Um, a mutual friend of ours, uh, Jordan Apulese, um, is, is a know, champion yeah. of. And there are a lot of people that really love that movie. But is it a classic? Nevis, The Family Stone, Christmas classic, yay or nay? She might have headphones on. She didn't answer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, maybe that is the I, answer. I don't think it is. I, I don't, don't. I don't either. But I'm just. I'm. I'm looking at it from like, uh, you know, uh, devil's advocate, where like I'm arguing put, for some of I, these movies, and I appreciate that because I'll go yeah. through the holiday. I put in the same category, which is also as, starting to gain some momentum. I don't think the holiday absolutely. is a very good movie, but a lot of people no, do like it, and I do feel like if you make a movie, even Christmas with the Cranks, like if you make a movie that's Christmas based or adjacent, it has a better. It will chance be a classic. Standing yeah. the test of time or coming back every year, right? Absolutely. And but there are a lot of bad Christmas movies. Too. Yes. Christmas and some bad and some bad Christmas movies can be iconic. Jingle all the way. Yeah. Um, and I think uh, like a genuine classic is some of my bias towards my childhood coming into that. Absolutely. Um, but I still put that in there. Fred Claus. No, it's not a no. classic, but nobody cared about that know, movie. <laughs> um, Four Christmases, another, oh, Vince, another Vince Vaughn. Vaughn. Remember, Vince Vaughn <laughs> just did a bunch of Christmas movies. Um, no, none of these make it. So, Arthur Christmas, you're making a good point in 2011, Eric, which is oh my god, it's been 10 years since that movie. Yeah, good god, <laughs> what the hell? But it didn't, it didn't, um, do, it didn't do well at the time, but over the last 10 years, people that do watch it or or catch up with it. It is great. Do seem to have a Toronto reference in there for it. Yeah. I remember always being like, Oh shit. He flies by the CN tower. That's awesome. Um, black nativity. No, all is bright. No, a Medea Christmas. Sorry, Tyler Perry. Um, no, love the Coopers. Ooh. Um, Carol. Carol's a great movie. Not a Christmas classic. I mean, it's a Christmas um, Carol. Yeah. Uh, office Christmas party. No. Oh. Um. Some religious ones. No. Bad Santa two. No one cares. Nope. Did you even see Bad Santa two? Yeah. And like, I don't remember I? anything. Did I? <laughs> like I think I did, but I'm like I don't remember it. Um. At all. Um. Almost Christmas. The man who invented Christmas. Um. Daddy's Home 2. I guess technically a Christmas movie it is. Yeah. Not a classic. A Bad Mom's Christmas. Forgot that existed. Um the 2018 Grinch, I would argue is not a classic. The Jim Carrey one, Bad Movie, Ron Howard directed. Um Bad Movie is a classic though, I would argue. Yeah, cuz again they play it all the time and and ask Nevis now if the family stones a Christmas classic. <laughs> Nevis, no. Is the Family Stone a Christmas classic or no? Yeah. Yes. No. Yes, Jordan. Jordan loves it, Jordan. but like I. Shout out to Jordan Puliese. Yeah. What's his podcast Christmas called? Uh, we should shout that out, but I I'm think sure it he is. Would. It's not something that I watch regularly, but like lots of lots of people love. It's that. not a classic, but though. that's what. But but that, but you, but Matt, you just admitted that, like. Say like something like uh, Ron Howard. But I mean universally, not just from a group of people. Like if someone went, if you polled <laughs> and you have to get at least eight out of ten people to say that is a Christmas classic, 
I feel like I think you'd at least get five. I think yeah, you would at least get five. But then that doesn't pass. That's a fifty percent. I know, I, I know but awesome. I, I do think that the family stone does have a greater following than some of these I'm other movies sliding, that you've mentioned. And I agree. So I put it in the 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 second tier category of like Christmas banger to some people of like I go back to this every year, but it's not something everyone goes back to. Every it's year. more of a stocking stuffer than it is a present. Sure, yeah. Uh, like even something like I would argue Christmas Chronicles got close. Kurt Russell as Santa Claus, probably the best casting of all time. Um, I think that movie is a lot of fun, uh, but not a classic. But then, um, uh, then also there's this weird sort of category where I mentioned before, where it's like there are movies that maybe aren't necessarily even Christmas films, but maybe they came out during the holiday seasons that you kind of have Harry a, Potter. A, a, some people put into that Lord of the Rings, like, even like Lord yeah. of the Rings, that all three of those movies came out during December. Like I remember clearly every Christmas going to the Denny's in the then AMC to get Plaza. some Shire sausage. Or yes. What? Yes. And, and, and going with my grandparents and my parents and my brothers. And for some reason I have this Christmas attachment to it. So, and I get that, but yeah. that's a whole, but it's not, but yeah, but it's not like a, a, a quote unquote classic Christmas movie. But I think to your point, Elf and the Polar Express are probably are the, the last two. two that would be considered in that sort of rotation of modern think, classics, even yeah. though they are oh, over 20, 20 years, years old, old now. Yeah. Getting there. Almost, almost yeah. 20 years old. Yeah. 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 I would put those. Cause then you had a whole bunch before that. Cause like, I, I don't like the movie at all, but love actually is also in 2003. That's a big one, which I think is a classic. Yes. Like, so I think 2003, the last year of the Christmas classic, like it really, like you had Bad Santa Elf. Oh no, sorry, Polar Express was twenty two thousand four. So, but then you go before that. Um, you have Doctor Seuss's How the Grinch Stole Christmas, which I already mentioned. Um, Jingle All the Way in ninety six. Um, you know, then you have the Home Alone movies, Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street. I don't think the remake. I mean, it's iconic to me. Um, but the, but the, original the original one, I think, is, is yeah, yeah, is the iconic one. And then Nightmare Before Christmas is 93. I would put that in there. Yeah. But then that's also um, one that's debated. It's like, is it a Christmas movie or is it a Halloween, Halloween film? Movie, or is yeah. it this weird? It, it, I mean, where do you stand high... on that? I put it more as a Halloween movie than a Christmas movie. I think it can be both. I think sure, it can be both fair. because the the second half gears towards Christmas. Where? That's maybe why because I only usually make it for, through the first half. So but here's the, here's the other thing as well that I think we should mention is that we're talking about this, but there's so many options to choose Sure. Where it where it, you look at something like okay, well, what's the best Hanukkah movie? Yep, Eight and Crazy Nights, and that's really it. Like Is I remember, I, yeah. I remember, like I was listening to the Flop House, and uh, Elliot Kalin was asked this. Elliot Kalin, um, who wrote for um, the Daily Show, and the and night some, before I would put in there. Well, there's also the Hebrew Hammer, which is terrible, but. Um, he was asked this question, like what, what are some, cause he has a vast knowledge of it and he is Jewish sure. and, and he was kind of saying like, there really isn't a whole lot of, of, you know, Hanukkah based movies and celebrations. I think the closest thing I remember to getting any sort of knowledge about Hanukkah as a kid was through Rugrats. Yeah. And I think that that was like the, the one thing that kind of like was my first introduction to what Hanukkah was. Um, but he talked about how like, 
the closest thing to to a Hanukkah movie is like the first half of Fiddler on the Roof. Yeah. And that's about it. Um, so but you I know, would put the night before, which is both a Christmas and a Hanukkah movie because of Seth Rogen. Yeah. And then Kwanzaa is another thing where it's yeah. like, is there really any Kwanzaa movies out there? So like it, it's, you know, like us debating, uh, you know, what's the best Christmas movie? At least there there's a plethora of films to choose from where, you know, people that maybe want to show their kids Hanukkah movies or Kwanzaa films. There's really nothing there. Um, Nevis brought up the holiday saying we didn't mention that, which I did. And I told her not a classic. Yeah. A classic. Although again, it has risen in, 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 <laughs> in estimation. I um, agree. Yeah. But I, Nevis, we proposed it as if would eight out of 10 people say it's a classic. Yes. I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. Um, I'm, I'm curious, but I think, I think a movie like that, I, again, we, we already mentioned it where, I think if you put if you attach Christmas in the narrative somewhere, whether it be sort of a part of the the plot or or on the outside of it, I think a film like The Holiday, which is not a very good film um, from Nancy Myers, is able to sustain itself, and that's why, like you know, it comes back every year because it has Christmas in it, right? So you'll yeah. get you know networks playing it, or it'll be on demand, or it'll be recommended on iTunes, and that's. I think a very clever piece of marketing, not only on a level for the studio, but for the filmmaker, because if you have a crappy movie, but you set it during the holidays and have some references People will to Christmas. Watch it. Yeah. It's like, I've rewatched the silent night, deadly night movies so many times and they are horrible Christmas slasher films, but yeah. they're set during Christmas and they kind of have a milieu of being the Santa slasher movies. So you know, they, they were able to carve a space for themselves because they were so controversial at the time. Um, there are tons of movies like that where it's like, you know, as long as you set it during the holiday, you might be able to, you know, have a, a life outside of its initial box office run or its initial release. Yeah. Um, and I'm a sucker for Christmas movies. Like I said, like I'll... I'll give mostly any Christmas movie that's theatrically released or in that kind of vein a shot. Like I won't watch my sister loves the Hallmark uh, Christmas movies. And I didn't realize uh, there was a parody of those called cup of cheer that came out last year directed by Jake Horowitz, who I remember from Jake and Amir from comedy. Uh, what was the website? Oh my God. Was it college? Humor? College humor. That's what I'm yeah. thinking of. Thank you, sir. Um, did not know that existed. They even shot it in like Aurelia, like all the Hallmark movies. Did, did you mention the Harold and Kumar um, Christmas movie? I didn't. Not a I classic. Put that, not in a classic, but a great, like a night before I would put in that as well. Like those are great Christmas movies that I think are a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, but like, and I do go back to both of those movies. Harold and Kumar, it's been a while, but I, I do own it on Blu-ray. And like, um, I have like a stack of Christmas movies that I, I, um, keep separated just and pull out every year but now with streaming i just kind of go that route but it's been a few years since harold and kumar and like i feel like it could be fun to you know have an edible and watch that movie or something because it's been a, a few years but right um, uh, a, a christmas classic for me that i also always watch is is richard donard scrooged with uh, bill murray that's one yep. that i always um like to watch usually uh, yeah and then if you go in the action movie territory, what they, cause they have different categories of Christmas movie. Um, 
So they consider Jurassic World because it does take place over Christmas. Um, Iron Man 3. Wait, that's is that is also movie. weird because like, why would you send your kids away for Christmas? I mean, I know the 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 parents in that are going through yeah, it's like a Christmas some marital vacation, strain, right? yeah. but it's weird that like they would dump the kids with their aunt. That's mm-hmm, weird. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. And then like a Christmas Carol has its own category because it's been well, we already so talked times. about uh, the like, Todd Haynes movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, cause you mentioned Scrooge, obviously Muppets Christmas Carol is, is my favorite version of a Christmas Carol. Um, I had a lot of fun with Scrooge when I saw it with Nevis and, and her family, uh, a few years back. Uh, I don't think the Jim Carrey one in 29, uh, 2009 is very good. Oh, another Robert Zemeckis um, joint too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but there's been so many different adaptations of that nutcracker as well. Ugh. Um, which we got Nutcracker in the Four Realms a few years ago. Um, and then what else? What are the other Christmas horror movies has its own category. So you had Black Christmas in 2019, Anna and the Apocalypse 2018, Better Watch Out in 2016, Krampus, which I think is great. Um, I was disappointed with that um, one. But the original oh, really? Black Christmas as well, the Bob Clark one, um, is another movie I, I tend to watch um on a yearly basis and i actually really like the more recent uh remake rare with... exports is great and everyone should watch that as well <sighs> i'm gonna sound like a fucking downer you don't uh, like it either I, no i like the concept i like the comp the, 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 uh, i like krampus or krampus as a concept as well i just think that it doesn't really live outside um it's sort of high concept as as, as interesting just, okay. I, I i had fun with both of those movies right but I'm, I'm not against them either. Like I just, they didn't work for me. I don't think they sustained their yeah, running yeah. time and the, and the joke kind of wore thin after a while. Uh, now here throws a wrench into everything. Is the Santa Claus three a classic? No. Or do we only consider the first one? I would say only the first, the first one. two, maybe the second one. I don't even remember the second one all that much. I only remember the first one. And I think it's partly because we were as kids it was basically a babysitter. Like I remember, I think I saw it in the theater. I was taken to 94? it. 94? Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And then like, I remember years afterwards, always watching it on TV. Um, or, I, I, or having the, the VHS. The first movie is iconic to me. The second, yeah. I could see an argument. Third one, no. So I just was proposing it. And then you have a whole bunch of short films. Like, I mean, you could put in all the Charlie Brown ones, but those aren't you know obviously older yeah when you um, might as well put in the original grinch as well right because mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. now i'm looking for made for tv and you have things that they they consider the netflix stuff um not theatrical right so you have the christmas prince trilogy or whatever oh, um saving christmas what else do we got here such a fascinating yeah you just like i think everyone should make one christmas movie in their career <laughs> every director it should be like a thing you have to do or not christmas holiday movie because you might not be even though is christmas a christian holiday it is but nah. the war on christmas with dean kane yeah <laughs> god anyway uh, i'm declaring that polar express is the last uh christmas classic that settled. I mean, I I don't really have any argument other than just thinking like, okay, like what happens if someone like 
Jordan, you know, retorts with the family stone. I don't think he's his, welcome I, to ar- make his argument. He's welcome. I, yeah. I say that on his podcast, he should make the argument of why I'm wrong and that why what's the movie he likes the family stone the family stone and i think the holiday um he's welcome to make that argument i just don't think i'm putting it out on twitter right now um of what is <laughs> happening in real time <laughs> so people can see um should i put a poll with options or should i just put it out there and go what's the last I mean, if you put a, if you put only a limited amount of options, you right. are limiting the 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 response. I mean, I'm sure you'll get people saying, "Well, what about this movie or what about that film?" So maybe it's better to kind of have it open ended than it is kind of just like these five films or be like even in the question, say like I believe or or this is what we've been talking about where we think that this is the last great christmas movie in in your estimation <clears throat> not arguing for or against here uh it being the polar express yeah i'm putting it out there i'm putting in your opinion what is the last christmas classic how should i emphasize classic all caps or should i put little I think you should make it festive if you can in some way, like maybe in some sort of like um, festive text. Uh, in your opinion, what is the last Christmas classic? I say it's either Elf or Polar Express. Um, or should I say we're recording the podcast? Yeah, say we're recording as we're talking about this right now and we're putting that in, question in out a there. Debate. In your opinion, Okay, I'm putting it out there. We'll see who responds or if I get no likes and no one responds. Um, Which will be the ultimate hob, uh, bah humbug. Okay, it's tweeted. I'll update everyone if anyone responds as we uh, continue recording. Um, all right, fun convo. I think I'm right. As I mean, I don't think you're wrong. I, I just, it's, it's one of those things. It's like, again, like what do you, what's your definition of a Christmas movie or a holiday film in general? And, and I mean that, that can even be debated, right? Like, you know, cause again, like you could, somebody could say Carol as being like it. And it is, it takes place during the holidays. It's very much a cold austere film, but it is still very much sort of centered around the holiday season. I mean, so much so that like now, like the polar express or like elf you're always seeing you know like um you know streamers or or studios that have the rights to it um retweeting you know the day when it turns to december 1st or that one day in in december and like you know rooney mara wearing um the christmas hat and things like that so Mm -hmm. you know like even that movie could be considered now a, a modern classic at least when it comes to cinephiles fair 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 um i don't know what else to move on to uh, any new or trailers what have we missed trailer wise over the last couple weeks unless there's anything else you wanted to bring up from what you've been watching. spider-man matt 
into I mean, the Spider-Verse ha- or across oh the Spider-Verse. Oh my God, yes. Okay, let's do Hawkeye first. Let's just give quick impressions. We reviewed the first two episodes of Hawkeye, yeah. uh, which you guys can check out on the Reviews channel uh, on YouTube or podcast services. Uh, episode three's out. Episode, I mean, by the time you're listening to this, uh, the new episode will be out. So this is kind of a dated conversation, um, unless you're listening to this right away. Uh, I really dug episode three. Um, I love the intro, uh, introduction to Echo. I thought that whole opening was awesome. Just like I loved um, the introduction to Kate Bishop at the beginning of the series. Um, loved her backstory. Loved getting a little bit more of her. Uh, still love the back and forth between you know Haley and uh, and and Jeremy Renner and uh, and Kate and Clint. And um, I'm starting to get really into the series. We're halfway through now. Um, very curious to see who Uncle is. I think it's pretty obvious, but I don't know if it's like a spoiler to talk about who we think that is. Uh, if you haven't watched episode three of Hawkeye yet, I'd say earmuffs. But um, there is a mysterious uncle, Eric, uh, who I think uncle Frank? has to be. <laughs> yeah, uncle that Frank. would be good. <laughs> um, uncle Frank, you little jerk. Look what um, you did, you little Hawkeye. But it does seem like they are going to be introducing, unless it's another red herring um that they've done quite a few times or should you say uh, mefesto yeah i mean someone also pointed out in a lot of these marvel series it's always been someone all along or the the man or woman behind the curtain or because we got that in falcon and winter soldier we got that in wandavision uh we we might be getting that in hawkeye with kingpin everyone um which I did mention in our review because Kingpin is involved in the comics quite a bit and is heavily involved in Echo's backstory. Um, so I do think that seems to be where they're going. And you, it, that's Vincent D'Onofrio's laugh, right? Like it yeah. has to be. Yeah. yeah. And well, and Vincent D'Onofrio is also a New York actor. Um, yeah. So I, and, and, and again, like without spoiling anything, I think with what, the MCU and Kevin Feige are doing and what's been rumored and what's also been spoiled um, a little bit recently uh, with, with some upcoming stuff. I think it makes perfect sense to kind of bring some stuff back. If, if I'm being, I I, I don't mean to be too cryptic or too spoilerish, but like Netflix stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And it kind of feels like, okay, well, this would be the perfect time to, to launch because of multiverse stuff you can kind of get away with um being like well it's the same people you liked from the netflix shows but they're different versions of those characters and i think like we don't i don't know they're less r-rated um (laughs) yeah i don't know yeah you won't see kingpin bash a dude's face in with a car door (laughs) um you might it just will be off screen this time um Yeah, I I do think that these will be different versions of the character if we do like, again, certain things I haven't really been spoiled. This is all just me theorizing. And I think, you know, there are rumors, obviously, for certain projects and different stuff. But like, um, I do think that you will see a lot of those Netflix actors. I don't think the Iron Fist guy is coming back, but um, I do think you'll probably see Charlie Cox and Vincent D'Onofrio and at least... um, because it just kind of makes sense and they can play different versions of those characters, right? That like, even though what gets the most complicated is that technically the Netflix shows were supposed to be in the MCU. Right. But then they kind of pivoted and said, okay, anything that Kevin Feige was and Marvel studios wasn't involved in isn't Canon. Right. Like, so even agents of shield and the Netflix shows 
are, I think, supposed to be in different universes, even though Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. directly follows up the Avengers movies with Coulson and stuff like that. So um, it gets a little weird. Um, well, it's also I, strange if they're bringing back some of these characters. And, and you mentioned Iron Fist, because I know um, uh, Jessica Henwick, who is in the upcoming uh, Matrix Resurrections, um, was talking about being offered a role in uh, Shang-Chi and she was in Iron Fist and I haven't watched Iron Fist, but apparently she's like one of the only good things on that show. Sure. So it's kind of, I mean, so that gets that confusing with, too. With Gemma right? Chan and, and other people as well. Like you, yeah. they've shown that they don't even care about that. Right. Like, um, so yeah, I don't know, but I, I'm digging Hawkeye. I thought the action sequences were fun. The car chase is, is a blast and um, Hawkeye's trick arrows were a lot of fun. And I think it's, uh, you were mentioning Eric, you just like, um, I like the diner scene quite a bit where like this was the first episode and the first time that I think Hawkeye really kind of hit the bullseye for me where like there was an there was emotional resonance with the character, especially when he doesn't see himself as a role model and wants to remain kind of uh, invisible uh, as an Avenger and as sort of um, a, a quote unquote hero or good guy. Um, I thought that that was like the one moment where Renner's performance and the character finally kind of clicked in a really interesting way. Um, I think to your point, I think the toy star store department sequence was fun. Um, I think the kind of car sequence kind of shot like waves or children of men was a lot of fun as well and exhilarating and kind of added a little pep to the show. And, um, I think the best thing about episode three is where it ends is where you kind of are like, Oh, I was like really getting into it. Mm-hmm. Which is a good sign of a good show. Cause you just kind of want more and yeah. we'll get more. So this will already be sort of outdated. Um, yeah. Really, really digging Hawkeye. Uh, so trailers, let's get into that. Um, there was a new matrix uh, resurrections trailer. I did not watch. It I didn't either. Cause we're so close to the point. Yeah. Like I, when these final trailers come out, um, like Ghostbusters, I didn't watch the final trailer. Matrix, if there's another Spider-Man one, I don't think there will be, but no. I will not watch it. It'll just be Alfred um, Molina saying, "I did it all for the the money." <laughs> that was good. That or was good. he did it all for the nookie. Yeah. What if people don't? If people don't know what Eric's talking about, uh, there's some people who put together fun edits. I think IGN did a really fun one where they're like, they just quickly cut like, uh, "Why did you guys come back?" Or "Why are you excited for um, you know, reprising your villain role?" And you have like. Willem Dafoe give this um, really thoughtful answer. Jamie Foxx talk about how he's like, oh, I talked to Amy Pascal and she said I wouldn't be blue anymore and showed me some of the stuff that seemed really cool. And then it just cuts to Alfred Molina being like, I did it for the money. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> it's really, really funny. Um, but speaking of Spider-Man, shockingly, I think, oh, the same night as that panel, which you're referencing, was I think there was like a Comic-Con in Brazil, but don't like... Uh, it. There was a Comic-Con somewhere, which is why we got that panel, the villains panel from Spider-Man No Way Home. And we also got a Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse Part 1 teaser trailer. Just randomly, I was not expecting on a Saturday night, I'm watching the hockey game. And I go on Twitter for a second and uh, Twitter's blowing up because there was a random Spider-Verse trailer, which I just like a Saturday night seems like the weirdest time at like 9 p.m. Eastern to release a, a trailer for, you know, I the movie 
is the lowest, isn't it the lowest grossing Spider-Man movie? But I still think it's probably the best Spider-Man movie and the best superhero movie of all time. Um, but weirdly underperformed, but still did well, if that makes sense. It was, it was, um, it, was it was, it was made for the critics. <laughs> yeah. And, and the fans, but like the hardcore fans, yeah. right? But then look at how much it influenced the live action Spider-Man. We're getting a live action Spider-Verse movie for the most part. Um, so anyways, I tweeted like last week being like, oh my God, I hope we get the first teaser with Spider-Man, which obviously this will be attached, but then it just dropped randomly on this Saturday night. So um, what you get in the trailer is basically picks up right at the end of Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, but it does look like it's a little bit like time has passed because Miles looks a little bit older. and Well, somebody to, joked online that he's been um, listening to that same song for three years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, Sunflower's a great song, but um, I mean, uh, Miles, you got to get a new playlist. Um, great song, though. Uh, kicks off there and then kind of gives us an extended scene with uh, Spider-Gwen and then shows us a little bit of jumping through the Spider-Verse and you see a little bit of Miguel O'Hara, who is Spider-Man, 2099 who is going to be voiced by oscar isaac and then you start thinking it's about spider-verse and realize like 90 percent of the actors are other mcu characters now too um just talking about uh hayley steinfeld and hawkeye you know uh oscar isaac in moon knight you know you got katherine hahn in the first movie who was in wandavision um who is doc hawk yeah you have liev schreiber who is Sabretooth. you have like i mean not just mcu but other properties so i think that's funny but um you get a really gorgeous sequence of them falling through kind of these portals into other universes so it looks like miles is going to be you know jumping through the spider-verse this time instead of we're swinging yeah swinging perfect uh instead of them coming to him so we already know miguel o'hara spider-man 2099 uh if you watch some recap shout out to uh eric voss at new rockstar is a great channel who he does really great in-depth breakdowns of like uh, marvel episodes and, and trailers and stuff like that um but you see some hindi i think throughout the trailer so like i think they're going to that universe and then there's uh it looks like the japanese spider-man from the japanese spider-man tv show is going to be involved in this um as well as um spider-woman who we know Issa ray is voicing um so i'm really like i'm just pumped is that to see jessica other... drew yeah yeah has a red suit kind of um she's pretty dope so i'm pumped to see that and just like who else randomly shows up because i like hoping that the 90s spider-man comes back they have to right like yeah if if they're jumping through different universes you got to think they got to go to all of the different animated tv shows like or at least some of them but you well paul souls just actually passed away who was the voice he was toronto-based actor too who was um the voice of spider-man in the 60s animated version which the 60s animated version was made in toronto that's awesome. Um, Didn't know that. But yeah, the '90s one. I mean, if they and they also have to have the um, the opening title song that's the Aerosmith. Done, or wasn't oh it like my. yeah by what's his name from Aerosmith from Joe Perry? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's oh, so yeah. good. Um, that's all I want. I I hope we get that, but I hope Nick Cage comes back. I hope it seems like some of the cast from the first movie might probably pop up, but 
Um, well, you ma- you like- mentioned Oscar Isaac as well, right? Where with the Moon Knight thing, but he was also Apocalypse in X Men Apocalypse. Oh fuck yeah, <laughs> forgot about that too. So I think he um, I think he wants everybody to forget about that. How did you feel about this? It was more of an extended scene than a trailer. It kind of felt like, but I think the biggest reveal is part um, one. Is part one as well as like you, the art style was kind of cool of him falling into the different worlds, but. I'm really excited for this. I think yeah. I might be even more excited for this than I am for No Way Home. Um, because It's a I, different type of excited, but I, I will put it out there that I think it is my favorite superhero movie of all time uh, and maybe one of my favorite movies of all time, the first one. Yeah, and, and, and I think that movie kind of recharged my interest again in comic book movies and like what you can do with comic book films and, and just like with the scale and scope and the designs of the characters, like I Art love style, the look of Kingpin compared to yeah. Spider-Man. And I really loved Miles's relationship with Peter B. Parker. Um, I love the weird music choices. Um, I, I, I think that it was just a movie that, came together in a way that kind of felt like it was a bunch of weird people working together on something that's really special and unique. And it'll be interesting to see what someone like, you know, Kemp powers, who is directing this one, um, who also co-directed three directors soul. on the movie, right? Yeah. Uh, soul. Uh, and also is the playwright behind, uh, one night in Miami, uh, which Regina King directed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I cannot wait. I mean, October feels like so far away, but, um, It'll be here before we know it, but uh, part one is awesome. Did not expect that at all. Um, I assume we would get part two probably the next October, probably back to back years. I don't think that they could do the six month thing, which would be really awesome. Like do this in October and then maybe May of the next year have have part two. But I'd assume you're probably getting it back to back Octobers. Um, like Halloween, <laughs> like Halloween yeah, kills. Fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The only thing um, I'm worried about, and I don't necessarily think I have to be, but you you do worry when you get, you know, not only a sequel, but then when you get a reveal like this, where it's like, oh, it's part one of, you know, this larger narrative that will continue on to a third film. You wonder, like, are you getting too much of it all at once? Like, are you going to get some sort of animated Spider-Man fatigue? Um, but hopefully that won't be the case because if it's as innovative and um, irreverent as, you know, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, I think we're going to be in for a really fun r- ride across the Spider-Verse. And that's Here's my, my prediction is that the fallout from <clears throat> No Way Home leads into partly just there's like a little nod maybe to part one. And I think Tom Holland could be in part two as an animated version of his Spider-Man. Yeah. Um, that's my prediction. I don't know if you get all of them in there. Cause I feel like that's, what's going to happen in this movie. So I don't know if you, because you're doing it in the live action that loses some of it for the animated. Cause I know they tried to do that for the first movie and Sony was like, we might have plans for that. Let's maybe not. <laughs> Let's maybe not do that. Um, so I, I do think you could convince Tom Holland because it seems like, you know, he's going to continue. That's, I guess, the other big piece of news we should just talk about right now, even though it's not like confirmed by Kevin Feige. But Amy Pascal um, came out and said that Tom Holland is going to continue for at least three more movies as this MCU version of 
Spider-Man, but I haven't seen that. Like it was just her saying it. Like I haven't seen anyone be like, Oh no, the deal's done. Like Disney and, and Sony did another deal or Sony did a deal with Tom Holland to come back. Like people were reporting it that way, but I don't know how, <laughs> how you read the situation, but I did kind of read it as it seemed like Amy Pascal was like, we want to do more, but I, I, but it seems like she sort of confirmed it. But Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's that kind of classic case of like the tale of two companies where like Sony and Marvel studios seem to be on a better footing than they were with, you know, the first three Spider-Man movies and sort of, you know, Venom and things like that. But it does almost feel like maybe sometimes, you know, the, the, the horse comes before the cart where like, maybe they weren't supposed to kind of announce that. And it almost seems like something in like passing this originally was sort of brought up in, in Fandango, wasn't it? Like in terms an of interview. Like, like, and an I interview. think she just like confirmed it in an interview that this isn't going to be the last thing. Cause we knew that Tom Holland had this last movie and then one other MCU appearance, I believe was that deal. Right. Wasn't it just a two movie deal when they renewed it with Disney? I think like so, I, and and I wouldn't be surprised if he shows up or is part of Doctor Strange in some capacity because I feel if you're getting, <clears throat> pardon me, Sam Raimi to direct a, another Marvel movie, I think you have to have some sort of connective tissue to Spider-Man. Where I thought it, it might be Tobey Maguire that gets announced after this movie comes out that he's in Multiverse of Madness. Which could think, be the case as well. Um and Tom Holland isn't in that, but Tobey Maguire is. Um, that's my prediction there. And then I think Tom Holland could take a little bit of a break. Maybe he pops up in John Watts, fantastic four. That's where I think he might pop up. Um, because I think they might be worried about fantastic four a little bit. And I've heard rumors that we might get that casting soon. Um, with this last Spider-Man movie coming out and him starting work on that. So I could see that because there is a whole comic arc where Spider-Man is part of the fantastic four, but then that doesn't make sense to me to do this early unless you have him as one of the original members. And then he get, you know, by the end of it, someone Ben Grimm or, or Johnny storm or whoever uh, ends up being the fourth member. Um, one of those two guys or however they wanted to do it. But um, I could see him showing up in John Watts because a uh, fantastic four, just because of John Watts moving on to that after this, um, that would seem like it would make sense. I just don't know in, in what capacity um, he'd be in that movie, but, and then him showing up in spider verse part two as like a main player seems like an easy thing. Like they can just like doing a voice is, way less intensive of getting him back than for a whole live action movie right away. And maybe you take a little bit of a break from Spider-Man main movies and, and have him appear in those two things. That's sort of where I'm leaning, but um, who the hell knows, man? Like <laughs> who knows? I think, I think um, your, your guess is as good as any when it comes to like where they go next. I, I do think we'll probably get some announcements after maybe the week or two that spy like me or after the opening the, weekend. Yeah. Or even yeah. in the new year um, to give people time to see uh, Spider-Man no way home because of it's going to be like, spoiled day one though, dude. Right. Like, right. No, no, no. I know that, but there's still going to be some people that don't go online and, and don't, you know, and, and maybe are catching up with it, you know, in the new year. But <clears throat> I see like after 
that after we watch that movie, I think that some of those things will kind of come into sort of focus oh, totally. of like I'm, what, I'm, what will happen. Yeah, I'm ahead of it. We're seeing the movie very soon. Um, so I'm I'm predicting all this just knowing we're, you know, probably before we record the next episode. Um, I've seen the movie. So I'm just like, I'm, and I, I agree with you that Spider-Verse, I'm like, but because no way home is closer. I think that's why I'm more excited for it right now. Just cause it's, I can taste it. It's so close. Um, <laughs> and I'm just so, I, the other question I have for you, will this save movie theaters? Like how much money do you think this thing makes? Because those tickets, um, something we haven't talked about either were so hard to get. They were it just crashing AMC Cineplex, which Cineplex didn't, have the tickets on sale at the same time as everyone else. Um, but I just knew people just had a really hard time and they just took whatever show they could get first tickets. I ended up getting like um, in Kaladin, a landmark cinema, but then I refunded those and got tickets for VIP in Queensway. I wanted to see it in IMAX, but the closest IMAX was Vaughn and Scotiabank IMAX weirdly isn't playing it or haven't put up the tickets for it yet. So, uh, and it just seems like it's, I think the report was that it's outselling infinity war and, uh, in pre-sales and it's, it's just one of the highest, uh, pre-sale tickets of all time. And, uh, which is wild that we're, you know, still kind of in a pandemic and still in a time where theaters aren't doing super, super well. Yeah, I think if if any movie is going to be the film to kind of help the exhibitors and sort of maybe kind of create a, a robust uh, economy there in, in box office, this will be the film. If it's not, I don't know really what, what could, it right? could be or what is. I mean, it like, seems like the biggest movie since Endgame. And I, I know it's yeah. MCU again, but. And it's smart on the part of. Kevin Feige and and Marvel Studios in general to do kind of like I mean even though I didn't love personally um Captain America Civil War but to do kind of maybe not an Avengers movie yet but do one that's kind of adjacent to an Avengers film which is this is. and yeah. this kind of is like the film that will lure people out and I think that will also kind of get people excited for the next Doctor Strange movie as well, because it'll be doing some things that are similar, similar with yeah. also uh, Wanda and sort of getting people that are that maybe watched those series and maybe liked, uh, you know, Loki and, and WandaVision specifically also interested in sort of maybe going back to the theater or at least kind of wanting to contemplate that. And I, and I think that that is again like if any if any movie is going to be the one shang chi also i think deserves a little bit of credit here because absolutely it and it did, came out in a time that was even tougher to get people in, yes in and season. especially like the labor day weekend where like that got announced going, to be getting a sequel too yeah uh, daniel uh destin Creton is going to be uh coming back and he's also and working doing on a, a disney plus show. series yeah i'm so, assuming is a 10 ring show about the sister that's my guess. that's what i was thinking as well yeah. because the way that they end that but but going back to that movie i think that that film deserves a lot of credit for kind of getting people back into the theater because um you know black widow obviously became a day and date film and obviously disney and scarjo had some problems there but they worked things out and then eternals kind of seemed like a bit of a bust um yeah but yeah like 
in, like Venom did better th- than a lot of people were thinking. But in terms of like the straight MCU stuff, I think Shang-Chi or just blockbuster movies in general um, deserves a lot of credit there because it, it did pretty well and mm-hmm. um, was also just a, a good movie. I mean, you know, Paul Thomas Anderson approved. <laughs> I love that. Um can't wait, man. I absolutely can't wait. Um, other trailers. I watched the Jurassic World Dominion prologue, um, which I thought was kind of interesting. Directed by Colin Trevorrow, scored by Michael Giacchino. It's about five minutes long um, and supposedly isn't part of the movie. But I have heard that the opening moments that take place like actually in dinosaur times um is part of the movie and it so basically it opens air did you watch it yet or no no i didn't i've only seen the photo Um, of bryce dallas howard uh in in that came out today too but that wasn't part of this but um essentially is you get almost a perspective of the fly that was in the amber well that's how i interpret it uh of of the beginning or the iconic amber you know, mosquito Dano um, DNA. Yeah. Um, you kind of see that moment is what I think. Cause you see a mosquito, you know, drink uh, a T-Rex's blood. And then that's kind of what the opening is. You, it's kind of cool to see a Jurassic park movie that takes place in pre prehistoric like times and just dinosaurs chilling. Um, that was kind of fun. And then it kind of says, you know, there's a smash cut and then it says 65 million years later. And uh, you see a helicopter going through a forest, obviously chasing something. And some people are at a, at a drive-in and you get the classic, uh, let's all go to the lobby, like that kind of snack thing playing and people, teenagers making out in their cars and stuff like that. And then you get the T-Rex coming through the drive-in. So like, I'm a sucker for one Jurassic park two drive-in movie theaters like it's playing into three mosquitoes and amber yeah yeah (laughs) it's playing into a lot of things like i'm a i'm a sucker for and like i i know i shouldn't do this because i get burned every single time of like wanting a jurassic park sequel to be great i think we've gotten a couple good ones because like i know we i reiterate this all the time i know me and you are sort of lost world uh apologists like we both kind of like that movie I think it probably needed to cut before the San Diego stuff, but, and now it looks like we're getting a whole movie of the San Diego stuff. So like, um, and I do think Jurassic world is fine, but falls in that kind of nostalgia, you know, baiting kind of, you know, it's not as good as, you know, you might think because it's messing with your emotions of that first movie. And then at least that's kind of every time I watch that movie, I get a little bit more sour on it. It's very still, manipulative. Yeah. And I, I still like it, but like, I just, I loved it the first time I saw it, but sorry, did you, did you call for me? Nevis? Okay. never mind. I'm hearing things. Um, and, uh, I just, Jurassic world fallen kingdom is so fucking bad Yeah, that I just, I have no hope. And Book of Henry, also so bad. Now, um, if we can put them together. So I just worry because like, you know, I think Colin Trevorrow, probably the right choice to bring back because Jurassic World, again, I, I, I've i soured on it a little bit, but it's totally fine. And maybe that's all we kind of need. We need like a safe kind of thing. And then the idea of where they ended Fallen Kingdom, where they're like, okay, hey, dinosaurs are loose now is like, okay, they haven't played with that. And then that's an interesting way 
of taking the franchise. Like I, I think of it of kind of like a Planet of the Apes situation where I would like them to jump years after the events of Fallen Kingdom and people are just maybe it's not post-apocalyptic, but dinosaurs are wild animals now in this world, right? And maybe they've been living peacefully or maybe a T-Rex breaks into a, a, a drive-in movie theater every once in a while. Like, I'm curious to see where they take it. And then when you involve all of the cast of the original movie, it gives you a little bit of hope. And it's like that Hawkeye meme of like, don't give me hope of like bringing it back to Hawkeye. But um I, I, cause I did dig this, this little short film, this prologue. And I liked the other short film he did at the, uh, at the, uh, he did one a couple years ago too, right? Trevor o did. It's like, weirdly, he's been putting out short films. It took place at Yosemite, I think, like at the trailer park or something or like, Oh, right. Yeah. So, yeah. And it, and I remember that now. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's just like, I don't know where this world is and where everyone stands and, and, they left it in an interesting spot, even though the ending is so fucking stupid of fallen kingdom, like the way that they all escape uh, and how dinosaurs are just out there. Like oh, the clone um, stuff is the so clone bad. stuff. And that is little the girl, yeah. they're like me press the red button and everyone's cool here. with it. Like you got Chris Pratt and Bryce Dallas Howard who are just like, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> like, yeah, let's release the dinosaurs. Like that's totally fine. We understand you're a little clone girl. Like, we feel bad for you. So release the dinosaurs. It's like, no, no. Uh, so like they're almost the villains, just like Hammond is in the beginning or in the first movie where he's nice and jolly and you like him, but he's evil. Like, yeah. he's just like, he's not a good person. And like, he's kind of a bad dude. Um, that's why I love where lost world picks up and everyone's suing him and like, you know, um, but in this, I'm like, no, Chris Pratt and Bryce Dallas Howard are bad people. They just let all these dinosaurs out. And if poor people are getting eaten by a T-Rex, that's your fault. So I mean, like, B.D. I Wong just wanted to sell them. Yeah. Um, he just wanted to build another theme park. And like, uh, you know, you're getting other characters coming back from the original too. I know they recast uh, the guy who's going to play uh, Dodgson or uh, Dodson. <laughs> We yeah. got dots in here. Um, they recast that dude, but then that character with uh, Campbell too. Scott, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but that character is coming back, so like, there's some intriguing stuff. Um, and this prologue, I'm like, don't give me hope. Like, I, I want like Sam this. Jackson to come back with with a missing one, arm one and arm, being yeah. like, a, it's still a chain smoker too. <laughs> I just want everyone. I want Newman to come back and like him just be like, I don't know, have like some Dennis cyborg Nedry. guys. Yeah, Nedry <laughs> to come back and have cyborg guys. I mean, unfortunately, um, Muldoon can't come back because uh, Bob Peck passed away. But um, I Muldoon. love that character, too. Yeah, no, that character is fantastic, dude. So, um, yeah, I'm again, I have this morbid hope that it's going to be. It's like we've, it, we've talked about this before with like M. Night Shyamalan, too, where like and that, that was also a uh, recent news. Dave Bautista is going to be working with him in, in his next movie. Oh, really? Um, so like every time we we go to see an M. Night Shyamalan movie, we always root for the guy. But we always like get the burnt. Jurassic World Park franchise is the same thing. Yeah, it's a great comparison where I'm always rooting for it to be if I just get a three out of five i i will be happy i want it to be a four or five out of five but like and jurassic world is that movie that teeters on that three out of five where i'm like i give it a pass just because it's closest to the original film and it's pretty much just a remake and um you know you go back to the theme park and all jimmy buffett's in it and um <laughs> uh it's just i i like the you know 
what would this world do if they tried, you know, they just said, well, forget whatever, everything that happened Let's still, we're all morons. Let's still make a dinosaur park and even make it worse. Um, I like that. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, soured on Chris Pratt even more, but then you got the original cast. So that kind of outweighs that. So, um, man, I just want it to be at least okay. Cause fallen kingdom. Um, the one thing I will say about that movie, I think the opening moments, are the most Jurassic Park those movies have been since Jurassic Park. Like that whole opening sequence in the rain when um, they're on the original island and um, it's flooding and stuff like that. And like, I think that sequence slaps, but then the rest of the movie happens. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> I mean, you um, also had a really bad experience watching. But um, I did rewatch it. But like yeah, the first yeah. time I saw it, yeah, I've told that story. We saw it in Croatia and um you know to no one's fault it was a bunch of kids it was a mid-afternoon showing and um they don't you know i i sort of understand it because they don't speak they might not speak english so they don't necessarily need to listen to the dialogue they only need to read the subtitles so they're talking throughout the whole movie and i just couldn't i couldn't do it so i had to leave uh and nevis has never seen the second half of that movie uh (laughs) she just because i went to go see it by myself in imax when we got back to canada um and she was like, do I need to see it? And I'm like, no, the second half is even worse than the first half. <laughs> and since then, she's been living um, a full and productive life. Yeah. You know? And that's all that, anyone can ask for. The first half of that movie up to the volcano erupting and killing the original uh, brontosaurus that eats the the leaves um, in the first movie. Little uh, they said it's the same, the same brontosaurus. Um, uh, the, everything up to that point is fine. It's not good. Um, but then the second half that takes place as the mansion, I'm, I want to throw my mouse at the wall. It's the haunted house stuff is terrible. It's just awful. It's just awful. The auction, the, the raptor getting loose. And is it a raptor that gets loose in the house? And like, it's like that hybrid um, of the, the raptor. Oh, right. T-Rex, and the T-Rex, right? Yeah. right. Right. Cloning. I forgot. Yeah. The little yeah. girl. And that, that whole twist is James just... Crom. I like James Cromwell, but it's, it's, yeah, it's bad so bad stuff. anyway spent a lot of time on that um <laughs> other trailers uh nothing really dc league of super pets i couldn't make it through the whole trailer i didn't even watch um it. we got you know some stuff to stuff we've already seen the outfit i remember neva's coming home after she saw house of gucci and she's like do you, there's this tr- movie it's like an old timey movie there's an o in the title i'm like i have no idea what you're talking oh with mark about. rylance right yeah mark Deutsch is yeah. In it as well and um it Dylan just looks, o'brien yeah it, um whatever it looks fine um turning red i don't know if we talked about it but we got a new trailer for that so shout out to turning red uh toronto-based pixar movie um not much else to say other than i'm excited for it um and then the rest of the trailers are stuff that we've are watching or have seen so we'll just leave it at that yeah we're at Um, that point where like i'm sure we'll get some trailers you know the as we're talking spider-man and yeah yeah. this week and into into the holiday season but we're at that point now where you know the new year is coming and you know the studios don't necessarily have to advertise anything um until probably february january february and and sort of that's when the trailer stuff will pick up again because you know it's the year end everything is kind of like you know coming to a close so like what's the point of like 
you know, dropping anything too big. I mean, they've already dropped, you know, Warner Brothers dropped the Batman trailer a while back. So, you know, that's probably getting of, a second one, though, probably with Matrix. Yeah. I'm and assuming. then also with the announcement of uh, uh, Colin Farrell having his own show as the Penguin, which I, I don't know how that's going to work, even though I'm excited for the Batman movie. I kind of feel like the Gotham PD show and Batgirl and then this penguin show kind of Maybe does feel too a little much. like overkill. Yeah. Um I agree. It makes me worry a little bit about the movie if they're trying really hard to have like spin-offs from it and stuff. Yeah. Um but I'm still very excited. But yeah, we should get more in the next couple of weeks. And then news-wise, I I think we pretty much got the big stuff, right? Like I don't yeah. know if there's anything. We're at the end of the year. Where well, Last of Us get, casting, like, right? Yeah, Nick Offerman. That's a small thing. He got uh, cast as Bill, um, who was going to be a different actor. Sorry, I'm forgetting the guy's name. But um, that guy had to drop out. So Nick Offerman, who was an excellent, excellent choice for that. Um, can't wait for that. Um, and Murray Bartlett, who's playing that character's partner, is great. He's so good in uh, White, White Lotus. Lotus. Um, so those two, uh, as a, as a pair in that show, it'll be a small part of the show unless they kind of expand their roles, but it's a really wonderful and tragic kind of storyline. And even with Murray Bartlett playing that other character who you never actually see in the game, you just know about that character. Like it'll be interesting to, to see if they get a whole episode or like, I'm wondering what the structure of the show will be, or if it'll be told in flashbacks or, if you know other like maybe it's a because they joel and ellie don't spend a ton of time with bill but he is an integral part of that of their story um so i think it'll be a smaller role for both of them but um i am really really intrigued by that because like i'm such a huge parks and rec fan and like uh nick offerman's just so great and, and I he was watched... really good on uh alex garland's devs. i know that's what i mean i haven't watched devs yet and that's what i was just gonna bring up you and, gotta do um... it you gotta do it for next year because he's know. got a new movie coming out garland does oh yeah. yeah i know i'll have to do that and leading into last of us i have to watch the other films from the filmmakers that are making it as well as um uh god what's his name's show that he did on hbo about the uh, oh killer. uh you're talking about uh, craig mazin with uh, uh chernobyl uh, chernobyl god why did I funnily enough yeah going back to jesse buckley jesse buckley's in chernobyl and she's the lead in alex garland's new movie which is titled men look uh, at that look at that look at that um okay going back to twitter to uh bring everything full circle for the last christmas classic argument got a few answers from people oh my god i got it quite a bit um okay so Alex Reno says definitely Elf. People seem to love that movie a lot. Uh, Andres uh, Guzman uh, says Black Christmas in 06. Sorry, don't agree there. Uh, <laughs> Matt Crandall says Green Book. He's like, just kidding, it's Elf. Uh, Tim Rush says Elf. Um, Kevin McGuire says if it's not Elf, then it's got to be The Snowman with Michael Fassbender. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, Cameron Kennedy, uh, says, I think elf, it's the last one to come out that everyone knows polar express. I do think hits the criteria for a classic, but he kind of wonders if it will be lasting with how poorly the animation ages, which is exactly what you were saying, Eric. Yeah. Um, Max Coville, our buddy says elf probably, 
but I'd have to do more research for some something less clear cut. He then follows up with, I'm doing some reading and I guess I'd make an argument for Carol. Um, and then he does think that Netflix recent animated film Klaus is good enough, but doesn't didn't have the big push it needed. He also shouts out happiest season. And then Eric says the book of Henry. <laughs> Uh, so it does seem like the consensus is elf. Yeah. Um, and there is an argument to be made about, um, about polar express, but I do kind of agree with you guys that I think it might be just below that classic level. Um, Alex Cozina, cozy bear says in Bruges, um, which I know has Christmas elements in it as well. Right. Yeah. Um, cool. So I think, you know what, this proves that I am the smartest man alive. And I know. I mean, was that ever in doubt? <laughs> um, thank you all for listening. We really, really do appreciate it. Happy holidays to you all. We will have more episodes, um, you know, before the end of the year. Um, you'll probably get one or two more episodes of this show just to give you an idea of our holiday schedule. Um, we'll, you know, we'll do all the classics. We'll do the best of best of 2021 uh, we'll do our most anticipated, probably the same episode of best of 2021 and a most anticipated of 2022. I always have fun putting together that list uh, with Eric and seeing kind of, yeah, that'll be a cool episode. So I say, Eric, we do an episode where it's best of the year. Uh, also most anticipated, which we always make a list, a letterbox list to, uh, together of most. How many holdovers films. will we have? And then, <laughs> and then I also want to look at and rank everything that was on this year's most anticipated and rank it together of what is our ranking of which lived up or exceeded our expectations and which was the worst of our most anticipated. So like actually ranking every movie we saw in, so that might be the next episode, but then we will have tons and tons of reviews for you guys to check out. So I don't have the exact schedule for everything uh, right now, but uh, you should have reviews up pretty, pretty soon for um, West Side Story, uh, Don't Look Up, Nightmare Alley, Licorice Pizza, Red Rocket, The Tragedy of Macbeth, The Lost Daughter, Being the Ricardos, uh, Benedetta, uh, Spider-Man, uh, No Way Home, The Kingsman, Matrix, uh, Resurrections. Um, we'll also have Cobra Kai Season 4. Uh, review up like we did last year with um season three um so tons and i don't know what else i'm missing but there's other screeners and wasn't there something and, else that's going to be oh uh the book of boba fett we'll probably book have of boba fett yeah. we'll probably have a review of the first uh episode or two of that show we don't know exactly yet so uh, it's going to be busy over the next three weeks so um you know, Untitled Movie Podcast, where you are right now on YouTube, just search Untitled Movie Podcast. If you're in, looking for the reviews, search Untitled Movie Reviews. Uh, but then the one stop shop for everything is really um, our letterboxed. Uh, so just head over to our HQ, which is Untitled underscore movies. Uh, you'll have links to all that stuff uh, and more. So we really, really do appreciate you all. Um, as always, my name is Matt Rohrbeck. You can find more of my work around the internet, but mostly at untitledmoviepodcast.com. And you can follow me on all those social medias at Matt Rohrbeck. And I'm Eric Marchin. You can find more of my video reviews at rogerstv.com slash cinemascene and on the social medias at EM6211. And to finish thing out, Julia Delbel says Polar Express doesn't deserve to be considered a classic. Ouch. And, I, and I agree. So well, you Elf, know it does. You know Elf, it does. What? The Book of Henry. God damn it. Bye, everybody. <laughs>